When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together, we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, We're back once again. My name is Ben. I write some videos here. And I'm Scott Benjamin. I'm the auto editor here at HowStuffWorks.com. And, uh, Ben, we got a um, pretty interesting topic, I think, today. I think so, too. I, I think I think the fans are going to like this one because um, it's a racing topic. And judging by past experience, it uh, seems like everybody really enjoys the racing topics that we do. Yeah, we do have some race fans. And, yeah. I mean, the name of the show is High Speed well, Stuff. Yeah, we, so. try. <laughs> we try when we can to keep it high speed, but usually it's, uh, you know, planes, trains, automobiles, you know, that type of thing. So we have some guest stars today, at least in terms of listener mail, right? We do, yeah. We've got, um, same topic, three suggestions, three requests, I should say. One was kind of, uh, one of these three is indirect. I'll, I'll explain that in a minute as I okay. get to it. But um, the first one came in just recently, um, and it was, let's see, from Ryan from England. And Ryan okay. from England says that he thinks drag racing would be a great subject to cover. So maybe something about the history of drag racing, different types of dragsters, etc. So... Drag racing was his suggestion. The second one that we have here, and this is the indirect request. Okay. <laughs> and I'll, I'll explain it in a minute, but it does have something to do with drag racing. Eric from Boise, Idaho. Uh, he's 23. He's a certified gearhead, he says. He says he wanted <laughs> to, um, this isn't exactly where we're going, but he wants to know about um, explaining some of the ways that ordinary people can go racing. And Good he question. mentioned he mentioned it in here, and I, I think we're going to hang on to this one as a, uh, a another separate topic, uh, mm-hmm, something mm-hmm. we can do later in depth. Uh, because he mentioned a lot of different types of racing, you know, rally racing, uh, high-performance driving schools, um, autocross, that type of racing. But he also mentioned drag racing because there's a lot of open track days. So um, indirectly, Eric from Boise, Idaho, has also mentioned drag racing. And um, let's see, the last one then, um, Ted uh, Ted from St. Louis, Missouri. And I remember Ted's uh, city and state from another email. He didn't tell us on this one, but... Um, says that uh, he loves the show, makes his workday go a lot faster, and he, think he's, he thinks he's listened to all of them in the last two months. So I think he just downloaded every one of them and has been listening to them 
straight through. Awesome. Still not sick of us, Ted? That's great. <laughs> After two months, a yeah. solid month. <laughs> Go on. Uh, but he says, I wonder if you consider doing a show on Top Fuel Dragsters. And Top Fuel Dragsters, he wants to know specifically their stats, horsepower, speed. Mm-hmm. What makes them so amazing, I guess? Because uh, he mentions that you know the, the 0 to 60 times are incredible, and the uh, but really we'll find out that 0 to 60 feet that they measure. Um Teardowns, rebuilds, fuel lines, that type of thing. So, Ted, um, from St. Louis, Missouri, this one is for you. And uh, also for Ryan and, was it Eric? Flipping uh, through my notes. Eric, yeah. Yep. So, okay, let's, when we start off about this, uh, since we are going to check out top fuel dragsters, mm-hmm. um, just real quick, a little elevator speech about the National Hot Rod Association. Fantastic. Okay. So, started by Wally Parks because... Uh, he wanted people to have a legal, legitimate venue and an environment in which to race. Mm. You know, cause very not, important. Yeah, nothing will nothing will throw a uh, throw a 1950s era race off like the police show it up. <laughs> yeah, and it's say. Like, even, well, even a 2010 era race, really. Yeah, sure. Um, I guess goes without saying. You know, mm-hmm. it's safest on the track, right? Yeah. So he found. Yeah, he founded it in 1951. Um, it's pretty much second only to NASCAR, so this is one of the big dogs, right? Um, there are right eighty thousand members or so in the NHRA. Wow! Yeah, and you can log on there and become a member yourself. So that's uh, you're you're saying in all of NHRA, not just the pro drivers, of course. That's yeah, just, not just the pro. They're kind of like an elite little group of uh, of racers in a certain mm-hmm. category, mm-hmm. right? But uh, how many eighty thousand? Yeah, and that's that's membership to the NHRA. Oh, so, so you and I could go on the NHRA right, site and right. join. Okay, got we it. don't have to have a top fuel dragster. But I wish I did. Oh God, I wish you did too, man. <laughs> yeah, I wish you did too. I mean, <laughs> I wish we a, had four. I wish, wish you had one, and then you'd have the cost associated with one. But I'd still get to ride in it, right? Oh yeah, absolutely, man. Oh, perfect. That works out well for me then. Good. Okay, well, we have a plan. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Let's. What, All right. What do you think? We should talk about um, what exactly is a top fuel dragster and how it's different. Well, um, top fuel dragster, and if you, it, we're going to talk specifically about the, uh, the the great big long dragsters. Mm-hmm. Um, there's other top fuel dragsters that are. Um, there, there's a there's a class that's the um, uh, the funny car class. And we're not really talking about th- that class. That's the type with the single piece body that lifts up in the front. Uh, the funny cars are the ones that, you know, single, single plastic body or carbon mm-hmm. fiber, whatever they happen to be now. Uh, they lift up. You see the engine, the driver underneath. That's a different type of car. They're just about as fast as the top fuel dragsters. But I'm talking about the long, you know, 25-foot-long rail cars that you're thinking of, mm-hmm. with the giant wheels in the rear end, yeah. um, the huge foil on the top. That's what we're talking about today. So um, you've probably seen these, right? Yeah, and the driver sits in the middle of the uh, of the vehicle as far as, like, you know, he doesn't sit on the left or the right. Exactly. He's in the center. In the center with the engine behind him mm-hmm. or her. Yeah. And uh, the front end is exceptionally long. It gets really narrow at the front. They have those tiny little tires tiny at the tires, front. Tiny tires, yeah. Yeah, and the, uh, and the back end are those, you know, super wide and tall slicks that um, – they, they become deformed as the, as the car accelerates. And we have to get into those later. Oh, okay, well. cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you want to get into them now? Uh, if you, you know what? If you want, go ahead, because uh, we're just going to kind of jump all over the place in this yeah. one because there's a there's a lot of really cool mm-hmm. um, facts and figures associated with top fuel dragsters, and I think it's just going to be one of these where we just kind of mention something and mm-hmm. take it from there. Okay. I would – I really did kind of jump into tires because – what I want to talk about really is the burnout. Oh yeah, 
Can we talk about? Oh the yeah, burnout? I love the burnout. Okay, burnout. That's I, great. I, I, when I say we, I mean, can you talk about? The oh burnout? yeah, yeah. Well, um, I, I guess the, the purpose of the burnout. You've, you've probably seen this. They get to the line, they burn the tires, a lot of smoke. They only go, I don't know, hundred feet down the track, maybe, and then they mm-hmm. back up and come mm-hmm. back for the start again. The reason that they're doing that, they're, they're kind of choosing a line where they're going to start. They burn the tires. They lay down, and not only does it heat up the tires that they're using, makes them uh, you know softer and, and better grip. Um, it also lays down a thin coating of rubber for the now sticky tire to adhere to. Mm-hmm. So now, now you've laid down fresh new rubber for your your now sticky tire to to grab onto, so you can have the best acceleration possible. So it's uh, it's strategic. In that mm-hmm. way, it's not just something to show off and you know show off fast. You are loud. You are whatever. It's not just revving the engine. No, no, no it's it's got a purpose. It really does have yeah. a purpose, and it, it it's getting everything. Well, it probably is getting everything ready, and um, but it's not it's not in any way like a, a launch, from, you know, from the uh, in the starting line. Right. It's it's not like that. It's not controlled. It it is controlled, but it's not. Um, they're not trying to do it with minimal or no tire slippage. They're mm-hmm. trying for the opposite. They want uh, maximum tire slippage at that point. And let's also point out. This process is incredibly loud. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I think I read on the NHRA's website, uh, it's comparable to somebody bombing the racetrack or something. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, you saw that too? Yeah, because you can, you can feel, you know how they, they have kind of a pop, pop, pop sound mm-hmm. when, you, when you hear it? And you're, you're feeling the exhaust, really, because it just comes directly out of the cylinders. Uh, there's just straight pipes, really. Um, you feel that... I've, been near one when it starts up and you feel it in your chest you feel it in your clothes it's like you know uh, like um, i guess music with heavy bass yeah only imagine it even stronger than that i mean if you were near nearby it you would it would hurt your eardrums mm-hmm. it would literally hurt i mean you probably lose your hearing quickly i i imagine so i read somewhere that the decibel levels it reach uh are past the threshold where your eardrums experience physical pain yeah yeah you could they flex and and they they would hurt that's so weird. Yeah, I know. I've never experienced noise like that before, but um, I've been near one with plugs in, and it's not so bad. I mean, it's loud, but I like that. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash Papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy. And basically have conversations 
questions that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Why is this thing so loud? Why? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, because it's, it's a giant, giant engine. And uh, we'll get into that in a second, too, here. I think the engines, um, you're, they're based on, they're all powered by a supercharged, fuel-injected, 500-cubic-inch engine that's kind of adapted from the Chrysler Hemi engine. So everybody uses this Chrysler Hemi engine, hmm. which is odd because, you know, you'll see cars that are Ford cars that are running a Hemi engine. You'll see a General Motors cars that are running a Hemi engine. They're sponsored by that. But uh, they all are based on this Hemi engine. And that's because of the restrictions actually imposed on the uh, building and construction. E- of the exactly. Yeah, it's very, very standardized. It's very form, very sanctioned. You know, it's a sanctioned mm-hmm. event, so it's very, very standardized for everybody. There's blueprint uh, specifications you have to build your engine to in order to qualify for certain classes. and uh, So they're adhering to that. Um, the, the crazy thing about these cars, and here's the, here we start to go, go with the numbers here. Yeah. Horsepower is, I've seen numbers between seven and 8,000 horsepower for these cars. That is so, I mean, really? Yeah. Seven, 8,000? 8,000 is a number that I got from um, a website about the Army car, um, Tony Schumacher, who drives a U.S. Army car. Hmm. Um, these, that site's claiming 8,000. Now, I don't know if that's, um, you know, that's boasting a little bit or not, but most of the numbers that you'll see will claim 7,000 or something in yeah. between. Um, but you're talking about 8,000 horsepower that you're sitting behind or in front of um, for a quarter mile blast down the down the strip. And how do they stay on the ground? You know, that's a good question. Well, they stay on the ground with tremendous downforce that comes from that rear wing. And I think I, I had somewhere that that rear wing um, provides something like eight. Again, it's like is it 8,000? I, I had a number there. In that. Yeah, it's eight thousand pounds, or between four and eight thousand pounds of downforce uh, that that rear wing develops when it's at top speed. So it's got the downforce. Now you got to keep the front end down, which is mm-hmm. the hard part. But that's uh, driver skill because these things could instantly flip over right at the starting starting line. They could just uh, the front end could just flip up, and that's it. Um, so these guys are in complete control of it. They they launch it perfectly in order to get to, you know to the quarter mile mark. Mm-hmm. in the least amount of time possible. Oh, man, we completely forgot. I'm sorry. 
It's the quarter mile mark. That's what, <laughs> yeah, that's that's right. what they're racing. Well, that's, yeah, they, it's a quarter mile race. And I guess this is backtracking considerably Just a bit. at this point. Just but, a bit. Um, it's, it's a quarter mile track. Hmm. Um, there are junior classes that go half of that, so eight, um, eighth of a mile. Um, and the weird thing about this is now, now the lanes are they're two lanes. They're about 30 feet wide. Uh, that's average, national average, I think. And um, the crazy thing about this is that they don't measure really in speed like you would think. They don't say, you know, this car goes 0 to 60 in this amount of time like we gauge a streetcar. Mm-hmm. That's because these things are going too, too darn fast. So they what they do is they measure. I mean, they could do that. But what they do is, and there is a final final speed, of course, but mm-hmm. uh, they measure in, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five intervals. Uh, the, the The cars are measured in distance and where okay. they are at a certain point. So, you you know, for the overall race winner, you're looking for an, a lowest elapsed time. So that's just time from, from the start line to the finish line. That's your lapse time. And then from that, they gauge how uh, the speed, the, the average speed. Oh, I see, through the so, intervals. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So we get the average speed, which we'll eventually get to. But uh, they're measured at 60 feet, 330 feet, 660 feet, which is the eighth of a mile mark. So that's a halfway that's mark. That's a halfway point. Then 1,000 feet, and then, again, at the quarter mile mark, which is 1,320 feet. Okay. So there's five measurements that happen of, of time, but really the final one is the one that's the most critical. And zoom. I bet that happens so quickly. It happens extremely fast. In fact, um, that 60-foot uh, 60, uh, 60 mark uh-huh. comes up in something like uh, 0.8 seconds. So um, and it could be even faster. depends on how the car is running. But um, mm-hmm. again, I'm going by Tony Schumacher's marks here um, mm-hmm. on his website. Um, zero to 100 miles per hour in 0.8 seconds, which is really the... Um, that's the 60-foot point in the run. So in pick a point. Uh, this, is, this is unbelievable. If you look about 60 feet away from you right now, yeah. imagine being there in roughly half a second and traveling at 100 miles per hour. You know, not to get off topic, remember when we were talking about teleportation earlier? Yeah. <laughs> that's what this would feel like. That's pretty darn close, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's good enough for and, me. Oh, yeah. That would be good enough for me, too. I mean, something at speed like that. In fact, you know what? We'll come back to that in just a second. Okay. I've, got, I've got a comment from someone that I used to know, a racer, that uh, kind of makes sense here. Um, but then the the 350-foot uh, uh, mark or the 330-foot mark can come up as fast as about 2.5 seconds or 2.2 seconds. Um, so at that point, they're traveling about 200 miles per hour. Jeez. So you're talking you know, 2.2 seconds. You're going double that speed. Um, and then, of course, you know, at the end, I mean, we're talking about a full run, quarter mile, top speed of right around um, you know three thirty plus three thirty five something like that is what these guys are doing now. Wow! Uh, for the quarter mile, the quarter mile time is right about four. It's a little under four and a half seconds. So if you look again, look down the road about a quarter of a mile mm-hmm. and try to imagine being there in four and a half seconds. Four and a half seconds. That's from a dead stop. So you can imagine what that feels like. That's that's, be that's the length of the race for the driver. That's exactly that's incredible. Yeah. How I, do they? You know, I don't know how, how human human can stand that type of force because I, I used to know a racer. His name was um, Bobby Martin. This is when I worked at Chrysler. Okay. And I went to Bobby Martin's site just recently and check out what he's doing. He, he drove the uh, the Cap Avenger, which is a, a Cap Charger. I'm sorry, a, a Dodge Charger. Um, it's an al- a top alcohol funny car, and. He has about 3,000 horsepower in his car. Mm-hmm. And, again, it's a 500 cubic inch. Um, it's a 526 
uh, cubic inch Hemi engine uh, in that class. And this is the one that you know has the single piece body that we were talking yeah, about. Yeah, that before. lifts up. Um, one time, and I, I just remember this comment from me. I said, well, "What what does that even feel like?" You know, when you launch from the the, uh, the starting line, and he said, "It's it's as if." And he said, "I've never had this happen, of course, but he said, imagine if you were sitting on the road and you were at a dead stop, and a semi truck hit you going about a hundred miles per hour, just flat on the back end of your car, about one hundred miles per hour. That's about as close as I can get to uh, to describing what it must you know what it feels like when when I." let the clutch go Jeez. so I, I, again the the g-forces that are involved because tony schumacher again from his site mm-hmm. um he's got a couple of g-forces listed i love i love to hear about the g-forces <laughs> oh you do okay, yes cool. um six g's are what they pull at the uh, at the starting line six times the gravity of earth's surface exactly yep six g's are what they pull at the starting line not only that when they pull the uh, the parachutes at the end they, they deploy the chutes and then mm-hmm. hit the brakes now they're going over 300 miles per hour. Remember, negative six Gs. So they pull just as many negative Gs when you hit really? the, the parachutes. Yeah, because you're you're going to decelerate extremely rapidly from about 335 or 300 because they coast slightly. Uh, they shut down the engines just as they cross the line, um, and then the chutes are deployed and then the brakes are hit. So I don't know, Scott. You know, now it sounds like it it could be. Hell of a good time well, if we could actually get one. Of I these. think it would be a blast. It's extremely dangerous, of course, but um, it sounds like a, an awful lot of fun. It really does. Now, I, I heard a long, long, long time ago there was some rumor going around. I don't know if it's true or not, but um, I think it was Big Daddy Don Gartlets. You've heard the name probably. I've heard the name. Drag racing. Yeah. yeah. Um, I heard that he, when he quit racing, it was actually he was actually losing his sight uh, because of the negative G's that he. Pulled when uh, when the shoots would deploy at the end because his now this see you're raising your eyebrows at really me. and I don't know if it's true or not I've never been able to just you know make sure that this is accurate or not yeah but I I had heard so many times that it was because you know the the negative g forces that he would hit at the at the finish line mm-hmm. when he pulled the shoots that his his eyes were detaching from you know whatever's behind. the optic nerve exactly exactly really and I don't I, again I can't verify that's true or not but it sounds possible if you do that. Imagine doing that hundreds and hundreds of times. Because I've been on just simple amusement park rides that go sure. fast backwards. It's like the ultimate repetitive work injury. Did I say that right? Fast backwards? Yes. Yeah, it, and, and <laughs> it feels like, you know the type where it feels like your face is coming off? Uh-huh. That's the feeling. I mean, imagine far more severe than that. Yeah. I mean, way more severe. And you're doing that several times on a weekend, mm-hmm. and then you've got practice in between, and then you've got you know years of this, well, months, years, mm-hmm. decades of that. I could see where something physically would begin to happen to you from something like this. I agree with you, but I still think I, I would like I would like to try this out if possible. Uh, one of the things that is going to be a little bit of an obstacle, Scott, is the first thing we would do if we get a dragster is we would have to afford the fuel because, of course, it's called top fuel. Sure. And that's because, and and you know why this is. You want this one? You want me to take no, it? No, go right ahead. All right. The catch, if, if, you know, I, we love, uh, drag, drag cars here, but the catch is, uh, there are a few cons, you know, to owning a top fuel dragster. Mm-hmm. First off, turning is a no-no, you know. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it's straight line only. Yeah, we'll be able to hang out with people who live straight, in a straight line. Understood. Yeah, but, uh, secondly, and this is a primary concern, um, 
we can't pull into a gas station and just fill it up with premium or diesel or anything. What? I'm shocked. Are you shocked? Yeah, I'm shocked. You look very shocked. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was just so you're going to tell us why they call it top fuel. Right? Yes, because okay. these <clears throat> these vehicles use nitromethane instead of gasoline, and it's made of 90% methane, 10% methanol. Okay. And it also has uh, has some distinct advantages. Um, not so much advantages for us, unless we're actually racing. Uh, it doesn't burn as quickly as gas. So there's not enough time to burn up all the fuel between when the spark plug fires and when the valve opens, the exhaust valve. So you couldn't just dump this in your uh, streetcar? No, no, you no. can't. It's, <laughs> it's specifically engine. for this. Okay. It, is, it is really the top fuel. Um, and it's kind of, it's, it's hard to explain, but by changing the fuel, it's sort of like we're hacking the engine and we can double or triple the engine's normal horsepower. Uh, I see. That's which how, is why it goes so high. So that's why they get 8,000 horsepower from a 500 cubic inch engine, which, you know, Cadillacs had mm. engines bigger than that in their day. I mean, back in the 60s, you know. They, right. Uh, or I don't know, you know, exactly what era, but they had huge engines. Uh, so, you know, and they weren't <laughs> they weren't putting out 8,000 horsepower, of course. No. But uh, that makes sense now. I understand. It's a it's a more combustible fuel. Is that right? Is that is that the right way I'm thinking? Yeah, of you it, can or? get more power from each explosion. Oh, there's more energy from yeah. each explosion. Okay, I got it. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet, and also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously, it's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together. We'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. 
We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. I know one other downside to this. What is it? Cost. Oh, you man. Know the cost? No, go ahead. What is it? <laughs> this is a bummer. You know what? Before, before I tell you that, I'm going to tell you this. They use uh, between 10 and 12 gallons of fuel for one run. So that includes the burnout where they back up and then they, they do the quarter-mile mm-hmm. run. Ten and, Between 10 and 12 gallons each time they run, okay? So not the best fuel efficiency. No, that's for a quarter-mile, right? Right. Okay, so 10 to 12, 10 to 12 gallons for a quarter-mile. And, uh, you know, I'm going to sweeten it just a little bit with this bit of info right. here. The fuel pump for an NHRA top fuel dragster delivers 65 gallons of fuel per minute, which is equivalent to eight bathroom showers running at the same time. And that's from NHRA.com. So that's, uh, wow. And all these little facts that I've got here that yeah. I've been sprinkling in are uh, from NHRA. Um, it, I just can't believe the and, – oh, and not only that, the uh, the – the PSI, uh, the pounds per inch per square inch on the uh, for the fuel pressure, mm-hmm. uh, fuel line pressure, is between 400 and 500 psi on on a top fuel dragster. So that's 20 times greater than the pressure on passenger car fuel pumps. Um, so these things are really sucking in the fuel, yeah. uh, the engines. Now here's the bummer part that I mentioned. All right, give me cost. a second. Okay, go. Sixteen dollars per gallon. And that was, you know, just an approximation. I don't know when that number comes from. So it's oh, sixteen dollars per gallon for the fuel per gallon. And you're talking ten, 10 to, 12 to twelve per run for a top fuel dragster. So and and you heard the burn rate on this thing. I mean, it's uh, it's capable of burning, or the pump is capable of delivering sixty five gallons per minute. Yeah. At ten to t- or right, rather sixteen gallon, sixteen dollars per gallon. That gets expensive. Yeah, there is a little. Okay, all yeah. right. So if we ever had one of these, we would have to race for money, and mm-hmm. we would have to win because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. otherwise we wouldn't have gas. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So I'm. It's it's unbelievable. I mean, I guess the equivalent of that is uh, they say that uh, the equivalent is between sixteen and twenty gallons per mile is what you know if you if you mm. extrapolate out that quarter mile run into what it really would be for the for the actual race itself. Yeah. It burns about sixteen gallon, sixteen to twenty gallons per mile. So you don't calculate it, calculate it in calculate. You don't, <laughs> you don't calculate it in, uh, <laughs> in in quarter mile. Yeah, Elmer you average Fudd. it out. It's Elmer Fudd there for a moment. That was that was pretty good, yeah. man. Yeah. Uh, I, w- I think we should also um, just point out to let's see, was it was uh, Ryan? Was it Ryan or no? It was Eric who indirectly asked us about yeah. how to get involved with racing? Yeah, exactly. Um, we're we're answering some questions about the drag cars now, but or the dragsters now, but we're 
not really going to touch on how to hop into no. the drag racing until you know a little yeah, later. later. We, we'll a little do later. We'll do like uh, what we did with the motorcycles. Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of just touch on this. In fact, we just had a specific request for the top fuel dragsters, and and I'll be honest, this is kind of a hook that you know mm-hmm. these are the interesting ones to talk about. There's a lot of interesting classes to talk about. Don't get me wrong, but um, these are these are the big daddies on the track. These, these things are, these are monsters. Are, these are, are these are the 25 foot long monsters and. Uh, these are kind of the uh, the show dogs of the whole thing, mm-hmm. and and I like talking about them. I like talking about other types of racing as well, so yeah. other types of drag racing. And with 200 classes, I think is what it said, and, mm-hmm. and I forget how many subcategories of that. And then, you know, we're just talking about a very, very narrow portion of this uh, of this um, population of, of NHRA. Nice population. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it's also, it's also one of the most extreme. Um, yeah. And I still, I know I've been making these driving without turning jokes for a little while over the length of this episode, but I'm doing that because I have a little bit of listener mail for you, Scott. Great. I love it. John writes in and he says, Scott and Ben, uh, when I was in school, I was told that for the purposes of defense, there had to be a one mile stretch of straight road for every five miles. And he's talking about the Eisenhower interstate system, right? interesting thing because you know we just did that episode we talked about some of the fascinating trivia there okay and matt also writes in and says that when he was growing up he was told um that the eisenhower expressway or i-55 uh had to have at least one mile of perfectly straight unobstructed roadway for every five miles um for the purpose of emergency aircraft landing. Have you heard about this, Scott? I've heard about that, yeah. So we had two people write in and ask us about this, and, and I um, I thought it was interesting. Do you do you know? Go ahead and lay it on me. It's it's not true. It's not it's, true. It's, unfortunately, it's not true. Um, for the purposes of building the interstate, um, it makes sense to have things straight if we can have them straight. Yeah. Uh, and let's see, Matt... Matt is a civil engineer, so he's looked at maps of uh, of the Eisenhower Expressway, mm-hmm. and he can confirm that it does have mm-hmm. that ratio of a straight mile for every five miles. Well, that's interesting. I didn't yeah. know. I didn't know that you could actually spot. I mean, I guess you could spot that if you had a great map. Right. Um, it's it's a myth, though. It it's is a myth. myth. Yeah, it is a myth. Um, the the uh, the idea is great that mm-hmm. you know that's possible, and it's possible. I've seen a airplane on a highway. Um, had a uh, ditch median, but this is just like a little Cessna airplane, right? And it ran out of fuel, um, so it's possible that you know you could land a plane on a on a portion of highway that's you know maybe a rural part. Mm-hmm. There's that word again, rural, rural part of uh, a part definitely. of the highway. Um, but when you really look at it, I mean, even on those straight stretches, you see. Um, you know, signs that have been put up. You see sure. a concrete median in the middle, mm-hmm. um, fences. You see trees. Mm-hmm. Um, not it's not wide enough for um, the wings of a of a jetliner to land. Sure, or, especially or, like a DC ten or something, or like a big transport, a military yeah. transport plane, which is I assume what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that uh, you know if they need to to onload or offload military mm-hmm. um, equipment, they could do that. I think there are places that that could happen. But right. um, it was not designed that way. No. This, yeah, according to, uh, you know, I checked out a couple different sources. Snopes was one of them. Uh, this, there was a proposal for some time to build landing strips alongside the interstate, oh. but not to actually use it, and it never, it never happened. It's not designed that way. The, I guess the best explanation um, 
for why it's not designed this way, because it doesn't sound like a bad idea mm-hmm. um, until you think in a crisis situation, one of the worst things you could do is close down the roads to land a plane because mm-hmm. you're going to have, uh, you know, we have thousands of airports. Yeah. Well, do we have thousands? Oh, yeah, sure. We, we, okay. Of course. Somebody call me on that if Hundreds and hundreds of thousands. I don't know. We have a lot. Maybe a million. We have enough that we have enough that if we had the government taking over areas, they would probably just use the airports that are already. Yeah, rounds. sure, just the local airports. Yeah. And if they don't have the the uh, the length of runway needed, mm. they could uh, you know transfer them to the next closest one mm. that does have that available. Now, I, I see a problem with the uh, the runway on the side of the road. And that would be maintenance. Yeah. Because who would who would maintain that roadway? Because I mean, you you and I know that if you leave a stretch of of road alone. You're going to see weeds growing through the cracks, and um, you know there's wintertime maintenance. There's um, it's just a lot of factors that can go into this. I Big mean, expense. Yeah, and what's to stop uh, you know the the farmer that lives nearby from parking his tractor there? Right. Um, you know, it, not that he's supposed to, but um, he may, and you know that would cause trouble, I would think, when you're trying to land a plane. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so it's it's interesting and it's fascinating. Unfortunately, yeah. it's it's not much more than a, a good story, but it does sound reasonable. Uh, but you know what? I I had heard that. The entire time I was growing up, and it wasn't yeah. until we were doing some research for that podcast that I mm-hmm. learned that it was not true. We just didn't include it. We forgot to mention it. And we're going to end on a mystery here because with one last uh, listener mail, Chris writes in and says that 10 years ago, his seventh grade teacher told him that uh, each highway is required to have overpasses that are tall enough to accompany a semi-trailer truck hauling a nuclear missile. And uh, so we're going to throw this out to you guys. And maybe you can get back to us and tell us if you think it's true, because I, I haven't really looked into this one yet, but I thought it was interesting. And, of course, Scott, if somebody wants to send us an email, where do they send it? Highspeedstuff at HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. And be sure to check out the new High Speed Stuff blog, now on the HowStuffWorks homepage. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results, like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. Compatibility. Viking. Committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all inclusive fares. Discover more at Viking.com.